Hi, Jeremy. Good evening, Raphael. Good evening. We normally we record、uh, Sunday morning, but now it's Saturday night. Yeah, this is my late day voice. Saturday night. <laughs> this is、uh, how many songs、nights. have the title Saturday night? I don't know, but I think we should play some smooth jazz. Uh, yeah, Elton John has that song. Fridays, all, Friday nights, all right for fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought Elton John was into fighting? Yeah.、Huh? I don't think. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, he, I guess he fought for. Well, he's British, so I think that's the thing that you do there.、Mm, that's true. There's class warfare all the time. Yeah. Um. So. Some chit chat, or we just get to the question, or what? What do you think? <laughs> in the evening, evening, you know, it's what, what, we're super, we're late, we're like we're old men, right? So I was saying to you, it's getting close to bedtime. <laughs> Is like, saying you're an old man when you're not that old offensive to really old people? Well, that's a good point. I, I think that's you know, point, like、yeah. like saying like, oh, I'm poor, and you're like, no, you're not. I think well, the, the, I think they say age is a state of mind, and when I was that was that's how I was referring to it, which is like the state of mind of going to bed early and getting up early is、uh, it's something you perfect. I read later something that yeah, I read something that they do all this research on successful people, and they tend to be early risers, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's an old person thing or a responsibility workaholic thing. My question is: Who are these people doing research on successful people? Like, how does that、yeah. research study go? Like, okay, get the phone book out. Let's find some successful people. Let's look, <laughs> let's look them up. Study yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah,、uh, yeah, yeah. You sound like George Steinbrenner in uh, uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> That's true. Get rid of the calzone. Get- <laughs> <laughs>、yeah. I was referring to myself on Twitter earlier today as Costanza to your Seinfeld. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> oh man, It, it's funny that you, you, my, you understand frugality, and like, I don't want to get a Hulu subscription because there's nothing there ex- that I'm interested in except Seinfeld. And、mm-hmm. I know that Seinfeld made a deal with Netflix, so the the Seinfeld sitcom is coming to Netflix, but they didn't say when. Oh, really?、So、in the meantime, I'm just waiting for it. But like, I don't want to pay another subscription, but I also want to see Seinfeld. Can't you just like buy? Like, there should be a way at this point yeah, where you could yeah, be yeah. like, "Yeah, I will pay." A, It's more a, a mental a thing of like this.、Mm-hmm. The, you know that there's a business model, and you don't want to fall for it. It's like, oh, everybody wants to get you a subscription, so you forget that、mm-hmm. you're paying, and then you just keep paying, and that's the deal. And I don't want to fall for it. That, I think in the、feeling. future there's going to be something like you can buy. You know, when you're selling art, it's so funny. Artists like have already figured this out, or they've. But maybe they haven't because they're terrible at business. But the idea、yeah. when you buy a work that you know, like a digital work that you know, there will be maintenance for it in perpetuity, where it's like, I'll get you the higher res file or transfer it to the new format for the player that's going to、well, exist. Good luck with、years. that. Good but, luck with that. But imagine that existed for like Seinfeld, and it's like you bought Seinfeld in 1990 with the explicit premise. That new formats that would come out, you would get automatically upgraded into them. That sounds like a beautiful. Yeah, that's the opposite of what happened, right? Exactly. They're like, oh, you have it on VHS, and now we'll do DVD, and now on Blu-ray, and now on、yeah. streaming. And well,、yeah. I guess because the truth is, you never really own it, right? When you buy those,、um, yeah, those copies, you kind of you own, you don't own the copyright, you just own the media.、Yeah. But I, I, I have this. I have this weird relationship. I think a lot of people do, where 
you want something and you come up with excuses why you shouldn't. And so because of the pandemic, all the movie theaters are closed and I miss the movie theaters. But I'm like, I'm not going to get a big TV because I'm just going to wait until the movie theaters open back up because that's way better. Mm -hmm. And so you are getting a big TV? No, it wouldn't look good in our living room. There's not a really easy place to where it would make sense. So yeah, we have a pretty small TV with bad sound, and it. it blah, well, blah, the bigger blah. issue, like I have a similar situation to you in terms of light in my apartment, which I love. Yeah, yeah. But basically, as summer rolls in, there's zero viewing time for TV. You get like an hour, yeah. maybe like from. Uh, yeah, you nine you to have 10. like uh, sixteen hours of daylight or something in the summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah. yeah, because by June 21st, it'll be like 9.30 is sunset, I think, or something like that. But yeah, but that's the other thing. I, I always feel like I should discourage myself from watching TV. I shouldn't make it better to watch TV. I should well, that's what worse. winter's for, yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's uh, Summer pro- is prodding you to go outside. There's a movie called New York City. <laughs> go out. <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, li- so you're living is, in the yeah. world's largest mo- movie set, right? Like Manhattan's probably the most filmed city in the world, right? I, I always wonder what percentage of that is was shot in LA in sets that look like Manhattan and what was shot mm. here. Well, quite often it's actually Toronto, which I think is always hilarious. There's always these... Um, oh, yeah. You'll be driving around or walking around downtown here and you'll see... NYPD New Blue. York Taxi and, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, New York police, NYPD. Oh, they shoot Miami cars. Vice in... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they shoot that here too. They just put out a few uh, fake palm trees. And Some coconuts, like, yeah. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. There's like, <laughs> there's like uh, steam coming out of their mouths as they're pretending to be on the beach. <laughs> no, they just hire VFX teams to, uh, to erase all the steam. I, I, I remember you fact. saying, going to Costa Rica and you're like, Oh, it was really interesting. It was the first time it didn't hurt to go in the ocean. I'd never, well, I'd never felt warm water before on my body. (laughs) 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 And I was like, what is, what is going on here? This is, this is disturbing, but it's quite beautiful. Like, it's amazing. I could stay in the water as long as I like. I'm sure you felt extremely guilty. You're like, oh, most of my friends are not here. They can't be here. I'm I'm such a privileged asshole. I shouldn't be here. Actually, I had too, way too much fun. I remember I started body surfing and I couldn't stop. And I was like, eventually I ended up with like, like all these, all this uh, road rash on my from yeah. body surfing. But it was because like, I stayed in the water for like three hours straight. Yeah, it's the best. Amazing. Have you, did, how many times have you been to Costa Rica? Uh, just once. And did it feel like, oh, I could live here? Um, I don't think, it's a very small country. Have you been there before? No, no. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a little bit over, kind of overpopulated for its size, and yeah, you can yeah, drive yeah. kind of end to end. So it feels like it almost feels like you're 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 just in like upstate New York or an area smaller than upstate New York. Um, so it's a bit. Cons- it felt a bit constrained for my Canadian yeah. taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, it's beautiful. I know lots of people who have bought property, and there's tons of expats and. Um, the water is warm, and there's a lot of surfers. Like, yeah. we should really be, you know, we were talking about work earlier, but, like, we should really be, like, buying, uh, you know, like, some kind of beachfront thing and doing the podcast from the beach <laughs> and uh, rubbing our, everyone's noses in it. But, like, I, at it's, this it, point, it's like, funny from, that, with that every, work, Everyone is really, it's really cool not to own a car, not to own a bicycle, not to own a, yeah. like, that's the new thing. But everyone still wants to buy property. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Um, and I think oceanfront property is more expensive than ever. If there's which, water in front of which, it. Which uh, we don't know how soon, but will then be... Yeah, it'll be underwater. Uh, it's a terrible yeah. investment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this, ye- well, this week, your sister when, sent a question in? What? Yeah. Isabella, she has a question, so uh, let's have a listen. Hi, Raphael. Hi, Jeremy. Uh, this is Isabella Rosendahl, Raphael's sister, and I have a question about reality. Um, as an artist, what's your relationship with reality when you consider art, consuming art, uh, experiencing art, making art, um, either an interpretation or an escape from reality? Um, I think for me personally, as a photographer and a writer, I spend a lot of time documenting other people living life or interpreting uh, the world in a certain way and it can sometimes feel like a move away from reality and I'm perfectly happy but sometimes I I look at other people and I think maybe they're better at the actual living part and I'm more concerned with the interpretation part Um, so I was wondering if you have any thoughts on that thanks we had a little bit of uh, background noise from uh, the east side of Amsterdam. Some uh, oh. scooters driving by. It's such a classic, by. classic sound. Whenever I hear that that squealing kind of that high pitched kind of scooter, it's such a European sound. Is it? Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we don't have that. Here. It's also that it's kind of quiet, and then there's just one scooter, a loud, annoying sound. Um. Instead so of like a, a bigger city, you just have a constant hum. Yeah. For me, it's yeah. like the, the noise of dump trucks going by, uh, bumpy gravel shaking and Harley Davidson's <laughs> revving directions. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So uh, this week we talk about reality and uh, layers of reality and layers of perception and translation. and. I don't know. Yeah, it was only a matter of time before we ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> I so feel what like is lot, reality? Yeah. Yeah. What is reality? Yeah, let's just just a little question. Um yeah. but I think the way your sister asked it, which is great, is from the standpoint of the artist observer, you know. Yeah, I and maybe her, maybe for context, she's a documentary photographer. Mm-hmm. So somewhere between a journalist and an artist and she picks topics, so she'll photograph people with pets or she'll photograph people hunting or people on vacation. She did a book about Dutch people on vacation. So that's very much, she was just going from vacation place to vacation place, but she was working. Yeah. It's a very particular MO. It's uh, you just, everyone is in their beachwear and you're there with the two cameras and heavy bags and you're very serious and everyone else is relaxed. Yeah, that's interesting. The photographer has that burden. Um, yeah. You know, and... and uh, I, I yeah. used to do photography at concerts as a when I was sixteen or fifteen. I just wanted to was one of my subjects. Oh, I want to learn this and mm-hmm. just shoot. I wouldn't even show it to the bands. I just make it and then <laughs> develop the photos at home, all that stuff. But it was always a choice. Like, am I going to enjoy the concert or am I going to take pictures? And there was mm-hmm. there's don't overlap. And I think you know today people would. You know, most people probably do experience almost the entire concert through their phone, right? Exactly. The That's the weird thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah. that does bring back us back to the question, yeah, of, you know, if you are observing something, there's almost like um there's almost like a Schroeder's Because you want to film it so you can get the key moment and then sell it as an NFT. <laughs> well, what I was thinking is there's almost like this kind of, this um, quantumness to the question, which is like, if I, if I try and observe reality, reality collapses, right? Because at, at that point, I'm no longer yeah, but that's in it. that's a very that's it. a very um, you can go through all these layers of like am I seeing reality or am I conditioned to recognize symbols and and because I'm conditioned I'm not really observing mm-hmm. and there's many layers but there's also the practical issue of like am I at the party or am I documenting the party? Mm-hmm. Well, I always start with the premise that reality is unknowable. Um, mm no matter who you are, whether you're like an artist or not. Like, yeah. so the, the very concept because, because, and it's also just a conceptual premise. The, and, and if we were to like, just triangulate it, it's it, the reason it's unknowable. Is it the assumption that what you perceive could ever be, you know, perceived by another party and that perception, like the, per- but the perception could there ever are exist. Things, there are things that, uh, people agree that a banana is tasty and edible mm-hmm. and that, you know, like dog poop is not edible. Yeah, but that's a negotiation. So yeah. You can say, okay, that reality is bendable and all these things, but if you put a dog poop on a table and a banana like, and you record how many people choose the banana, mm-hmm. then you can say there is a, a... People will experience a banana in a different way, but we can all agree that it tastes better than dog poop. Yeah, I mean, you might, but that that's, yeah, so you're saying through the taste, the perception of taste. No, what I'm saying is general, in, in detail, and like in detail, we can experience things quite differently, but there is an mm-hmm. agreement. And if someone chooses a dog poop, you're like, okay, you need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's like a form of social pressure, though, as well. But I think <laughs> no, you're right. Not, like, there's a biological it, like, problem of if, if you're eating if you things eat that poop. make you unwell, that's, then you're hurting yourself, <laughs> and that's an illness. So, I, right, the, right. I think in the arts we have a tendency to question everything through and through. Yeah. But then in the day to day, it's like if you want to get on the subway, you have to wait for the car to be there. You can't just decide, oh, I'm just going to lay down on the tracks and let the train roll over me because it doesn't exist. Well, the point I usually make is that, like, we perceive reality through such a narrow straw, right? Like, even if I'm st- standing in the street there, I'm looking forward, like, most, like, nine, more than 90 degrees, 180, I don't know, 270 degrees of even just my field of view is not apparent unless I move my head. But then I I can't see behind, I can't see what I was just looking at, right? So there's, like... Reality is perceived through a very narrow straw of percept of of our senses. Like our nose is often blocked. It's we're not even getting the full olfactory kind of ability, right? Like half the time I've got sniffles because of allergies or whatever. Um, you know, I can't taste quite everything. I can remember being a kid and finding things like so salty that now I'm like, yeah, this there's I need more salt on this. And um and then hearing, right? Like you can only you can only hear certain frequencies. Um, I mean, you listen. To, you went to a lot of. You just mentioned going to a lot of concerts, but you've probably lost a bunch of frequencies of yeah, sound probably. that others yeah. that others perceive. So your straw gets narrower and narrower as you get older, as well. But I, yeah, the ability I'm to interpret so sure. reality, I think, kind of widens. Um, yeah. 
well, you don't know what to do with all that noise. Your brain, I think there's, um, there are all these studies, I think I've cited them on the podcast too, where um, as an example, like most people in cities, are, their senses are overwhelmed. And it's one reason why a lot of folks wear headphones, right? And yeah. they're not only overwhelmed by just the sheer sights and sounds, but also by the social constraints. And I, I almost never separate. That's why I was bringing up the poo. It's funny that thing. you say that, like uh, the city could be overwhelming, but also the absence of signals in nature or somewhere could be overwhelming. And you're like, mm-hmm. you rent a cabin and then you, you go somewhere for lunch. And the next day you want to go to another place and there's no other place. And the grocery store is not that good. That can be overwhelming, the lack of options. Well, when you, whenever you, if you go out like to a lake house, or you go somewhere quiet and you hear loud music. I mean, you're not that that person's not very popular. <laughs> like there's a <laughs> there's a general consensus that you know Especially if you go out in Canada, of, if you go into nature, the idea is like how often do you see someone wearing headphones uh, out in the middle of the woods? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember going hiking and and going up to a peak. And it was clear that everyone who went up to the peak wanted to be by themselves, but there was still a bunch of people. There's like five groups of two or three people, and everyone's trying to sit as far apart from each other as possible. But it was yeah, a peak, so there was not that much space. Well, and I I don't know. I don't know if it's like we crave the, that isolation puts us in better um, touch with our individual senses. Have you ever done this thing? I'm sure you have, but like of like uh, mindful eating. Have you ever done... Or do you know you know about mindfulness? I was kind of raised that way with because it's macrobiotic food, and then you're supposed to chew as long as possible and uh, uh, really experience it consciously. And so, my parents like were you, trying to t- teach me that. Yeah, they gave you like a single raisin every day. <laughs> That's yeah, the yeah, cliche, yeah. Right? That's good enough for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, no, but but and then uh, nowadays I eat too fast, and I'm like, oh, I should have enjoyed that more. It's already gone. I mean, I did a mindful eating exercise recently with like kind of a, a mindfulness coach, which is kind of just a funny premise in and of itself. And they like, they're like, find something in your house that you really like and, you know, go get it. And so I found a cookie and it's like, put your tongue on the cookie. <laughs> let, let your tongue, the cookie just sit on your tongue, feel the texture of the cookie, you know, and then take but a the, tiny bite. It sounds like art school. Mm hmm. It sounds like, like making a still life and they're like, okay, just bring a few things, doesn't even matter which ones, and make an interesting arrangement and look at it from different angles. And Yeah. Uh, when when this topic came up, I thought in art history, I don't remember exactly. I like remembering things just the way I remember them. So it's another angle on reality. So what I remember was that the word aesthetics in ancient Greek had to deal with the in- intensification of perception, sort of perception and feeling and mm-hmm. so the thing that interests me in art is seeing something translated by an artist whatever that is and so oh that's a new way of looking at x y or z or that's right. a new way of, of and the idea of intensifying is that normally you go through daily life and you're like oh i gotta get to work i'm gonna take the subway or the bicycle or the car but you're thinking about work on the way there you're not thinking Oh, that's an elegant doorknob. Oh, this leather feels good. Oh, I like the sound of the way the engine is revving. Oh, and so what an artist brings is like a condensed version of reality. So when you talk about reality, it's 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 
either freezing or focusing or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. No, but I find this really fascinating because that coach that I mentioned in a corporate was in a corporate context. And the fact is like mindfulness has, you know, been a trend and is like a hyper trend right yeah. now because of remote work. But the idea of a, like we're spending our day on Zoom, right? Like we're all on these video calls. And then to try and because it's like it's so dehumanizing. It's like it suck, you know, so it sucks so much of the humanity of experience out of ex of reality that now we're hiring people to be like, no, 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 you're still in reality. <laughs> like snap out of it. Snap out of it. Look, look around your room. And you the funny thing is, that this coach that I hired, I had actually. She, but that's she, also an escape. Like, like, oh, you should be mindful, and then all of a sudden you're observing. Like, whoa, my life really sucks. What was interesting about this person is, like, a few years ago, she, I, I had spoken in one of her, like, she was leading a product thing, and I, I did, I do this talk for in design and product circles where I bring in, like art ideas that I brought like I do like four minutes and 33 seconds John Cage's performance but like with PowerPoint <laughs> but in a room full of like corporate people it's like a huge hit <laughs> like which you wouldn't expect but like it'll, we'll all sit together in silence it sounds you're like cringing right now but what you end up with is like they're just not used to doing that right and so you'll ask them about what they perceive And they'll be like, wow, like the air conditioner is incredible <laughs> or something like, yeah. or like the traffic outside. It, I heard it reminds me, yeah, it reminds me, I, I had two websites that it's a browser window and then you can slide the window open and then you hear the sound of birds and, and water. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't in nature, so I just used stock sounds and mixed them up. And one is openthiswindow.com and the other one is openthatwindow.com. And that's the one that's New York style. You open the window oh, yeah. and it's... Oh, loud please. sounds mm -hmm. and so i was in new york so okay i'll go outside with my phone and record some sounds and normally in new york I, why are these trucks so loud why is the train so loud this is ridiculous but because you're trying to find the best new york sounds and the loudest and the most aggressive sounds you can record it's really fun and all of a sudden you're like Oh, that train is louder than that one. I'll go to the six. It's louder mm -hmm. than the C or whatever. Oh, there's a construction site. Great. Let's go really close to it. Oh, this is a really good jackhammer. And so yeah. it, it completely flips. And it, I'm not a meditator, but I, it made me realize that all the things that they keep saying, it's like, focus on your breath, focus on just being and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it is really fun when you're not trying to... Uh, resist reality but you're like uh, absorbing it as much as possible yeah i think for me it's the realization that much uh, like in both corporate and art context a lot of our thinking is spent trying to reconnect to connect with reality when it's right in front of us like through abstract means though like so we conceptualize or create layers of abstraction that try and help us interpret it rather than actually just experience it like it, I, there's this management principle i can't remember who taught me but It's about sense and respond. So like the better you can get at perceiving or sensing what's going on and then just responding to it, you know, the better you are at managing at the speed of business, quote unquote, like again, cringeworthy terms. But like even uh, Donald Rumsfeld had this like, which again, don't cringe too hard here. It's your but personal like a, hero. You know, yeah, exactly. He had this concept of, yeah, he, he often praised this concept of, it's called managing while walking around, which was like a... When back in pre-pandemic times, people, you know, that was like a that's a principle of management, which is like you just walk. You mean the when people floor. had legs? 
Yeah, I think it still happens probably in Amazon warehouses. Maybe not. Maybe it's like robots that are hitting people over the head. But this idea of managing while walking around was about perceiving reality. Like, because so much of business is filtered through a spreadsheet. In, like, for example, at Toyota, um, they actually took this one step further. And I just think it's interesting in relationship to artists because we often think of these things as separate, but I think they're not that different at all. And at Toyota, they, whenever something went wrong on the assembly line, they would draw a red, or they would actually get some tape out, and they would draw a red square or red circle around that place where the thing went wrong. And then all the managers would gather around, and they would just watch <laughs> that area. Mm. And the idea was that they would per, they would be able to perceive what was happening in reality versus what was p- being reported through bureaucracy. And, of course, reality, and that allowed them to fix quality issues that, and that's what made Japanese cars I always hear from Toyota owners that they're very happy with their cars so there must be something to this method well it, like it had it had reached this point in automotive manufacture where of course Japanese cars had a bad reputation but American cars were prone to breaking down as well and the Japanese were like okay we're gonna figure this out but in America they had decided you know what like all cars they're too complicated there's too many parts so cars are gonna break down even if we tried to do a good job it wouldn't be worth it and like you know, they they there was this story where the the like execs from GM, eventually the Japanese got really good, and so the Americans are like, let's go look at their factories. And the executives from General Motors went to the Toyota factory, and they asked they they got a tour of the factory line, and they asked, okay, th- at the end of the tour, they're like, well, you have you surely you haven't shown us everything. Like, where's the place where you hammer the doors in so that they close? Like, you know, where you just like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like. <laughs> And, <laughs> and they were like, uh, we designed the doors so that they close without hammers. <laughs> what? Yeah. So they were like used to just like bashing the doors to into alignment. Where's the place where you like, yell at the car? <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's why I mean, like so much of our lives are spent like, uh, like looking at the or, or sipping the world through a really narrow straw. Let's let's put it that yeah. way. That's where that's where I'm I'm trying to get. Yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so the, in, in, in theory, being a documentarian in any form, mm-hmm. you could say an artist is a documentarian or whatever, that would be widening the lens or being more perceptive and then bringing that yeah. to your medium. Yeah, but I, I think that's or, not or exclusive. Or you could flip it because, of course, artists will always flip it and be like, as narrow as possible. I'm just going to zone out the entire world because I want to focus at this one piece of grass on the... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look at the whole forest. I'm just going to look at this little worm or whatever you focus on. Well, you've often like accused me of not being able to enjoy anything, but I th- I do kind of sympathize with your sister. Where well, maybe you enjoyed not in, like giving and then being uh, sitting on the floor while others can sit on a chair. That's your thing. Yeah, but I think I, I think I'm pretentious in that like it's hard for me not to try and make something out of what my observation mm. like just well, a, maybe, a natural instinct just, just to give you some feedback I don't worry about you not enjoying yourself I <laughs> it's more that I want you to have a more uh, a setup in your mind and materially that allows you to make more art that's yeah. all and t- so the uh, phase one is, is accepting that that's okay and phase two is then getting the practical setup but yeah 
But yeah, that's another. I don't know if that applies to this question about reality this week, but I think it yeah. does. I think it does. I, it's such a big one. We can go in so many directions, but for a lot of our listeners, you know, their reality is constrained to their experience. That's the next thing that comes after perception, right? It's like you start to build theories about how the world works, right? Um, and then you make, you know, you kind of experience about often, how the world doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And then you judge, well, you know, when I do it this way, it works. So that must be what reality is. I often like use the example of a baby with a pile of blocks, you know, and they're trying to perceive um, reality as well. And, you know, what's the thing that they they always do? They knock them over, right? If you put a tower of blocks in front of a baby, they knock them over. And that's because they're they're making judgments or theories. They're trying to formulate theories about how gravity works based on their perception of reality. And then they confirm that, oh, okay, yeah, when I knock it, the blocks fall over. That is gravity. I always thought I that was about power. It's like, oh, I have influence on the world. I can just knock something over. Now, it's what they call, it's called the ladder of inference in psychological circles, but it's like the process of, of perceiving reality and formulating theories and judgments based on what you observe. I just, and then yeah, I just remember as a kid, I remember as a kid, we, maybe I was 10 or 9 or 8 or something, and my parents took us to some friends that lived near the woods and there was this abandoned shed and they're like, oh, it kind of needs to be torn down and they just gave us all sledgehammers and we spent the day breaking the thing. It was so much fun. Yeah. I, I, we were not in the learning phase. It was just like tremendously fun to break a, a big structure. Of course. But I think it's gonna it's the ultimate nostalgia because it references the, your first theory, the first theory that we all build, you know, outside of maybe like the perception of shape and and line or something like that. And so it's like a primal thing. I think Steven Spielberg, I, I mean, I know this actually, he came out with two video games in his career that he like he came up with himself creatively like they were movies. Um, they're actually two in the same series of games where you just throw balls at towers of blocks <laughs> and oh, cool. they fall over. And that's the whole game. And it's like, how many blocks I can you I didn't know he over? made games. That sounds good. He only made them for the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> it oh. was like for a very brief period. Um, he made this and he was just like, this is such a fundamental com- component of perception. I would have thought he, he would have made a more like a movie franchise game with a storyline. and. Mm. Well, yeah. think, I think see, seeing things break or fall over is about perceiving reality because you have the thing that is solid in one form and then action, and then reaction. Um, yeah. And you did the, you did a piece, I think, or I feel like when I met you, where you were throwing bottles at the wall, or people could yeah, throw bottles at the wall. Yeah, that was a translation. So the, the the original idea was a website where you see a white website, and you click on it, and it breaks, and then there's a layer of black. And so it feels like glass is breaking, right? mm-hmm. a graphic representation of glass. And then you see the black, and you click on it, and it becomes white and again and again. So it, you're basically breaking the screen. That's the website. And then I thought, oh, if I exhibit it, I could project that website, or I could translate it where it's a there's a pile of old uh, wine bottles, and you can throw them at the wall. And that's the breaking of the glass in, in real life. Mm-hmm. And what it like, did people enjoy throwing the, the bottles? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then uh, we also had a strobe light, so you had that black and white element also. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it was a, originally an idea from uh, Mai and Isabella's father, 
uh, he's like, oh, you always bring glass to the recycling bin, and it's kind of a fun sound, but it would be cooler if it was a wall further away. You could just air out some frustration and throw bottles at a wall. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, that would make a good installation. It, uh, in a way, it's like the most immediate creative act, the destruction. The, mm. Yeah, you Picasso know, was into that, right? He, he's, did, did there's he? a quote from him. What did he say? Something creative destruction. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Creative destruction. <laughs> I mean, that's like yeah. one side it of it. It also sounds I, like something <laughs> a corny consultant would say at, a, at an ad agency. <laughs> we need to destroy things. That's the yeah, way it yeah, begins. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Shingy would say that. Yeah. But uh, it does also like... All the, roads the op- leads, lead to the, Shingy. The other like... <laughs> the, the, other, um, the other like kind of baby... Uh, thing I always observe in terms of like the opposite of destruction is like is creation in terms of perception of reality and it's when one sees one's own image in a mirror like and so the creation of identity is one of the ways in which we start to formulate our relationship to reality right like here we because there's a stage when you're developing as a baby apparently where you're not actually clear on what that you are a part of like that you are perceiving from inside of a body that is separate, you know, from the world. Yeah. Yeah. And going through that phase of recognizing yourself, because like animals don't recognize themselves in, in reflection. Right. Um, is a, is a major step in the perception of, yeah. Like a dog sees uh, themselves in the mirror and they think it's another dog and they start barking. Yeah. And this, like, over time, though, I think come, folds back on itself through the technologies we consume today, right? Where, like, the in- people are always so critical of, of folks who take selfies, but it's really, like, I always think of it as the act of, of, of basically stating, hey, I am here, right? This is, I exist, I, you know, and, and therefore, in theory, like, I am yes. part of reality. <laughs> in theory, yeah. yes. In reality, if you're in a museum and you're trying to, enjoy the work and focus and somebody's in front of it with a selfie stick it's like hmm yeah do selfie sticks still exist is that a thing i don't know no but in theory i agree and and people always put new things down so now with nfts everybody is like oh they're just screensavers and like hey wait a minute what's wrong with screensavers but yeah anyways but then now if you go (laughs) to storm king this sculpture park people started geotagging this uh, mirror fence and then there's just a line in front of it he's like oh my god you only get two minutes to be there and then the next person's like hey it's my turn well this is the thing i i, I saw um like i don't know some kind of a story about this uh i don't know if it was on instagram or what but it was like this huge long line in williamsburg to take a picture with like these graffiti wings oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's and, a lot of those yeah and it was like around the block you know this is a good point i think this is a very interesting point this this instagram tagging of a place and then is it are you really there when you're there or is the real thing when you share the image yeah and and then i read another story later in the week where it was like the same exact like slightly different wings like butterfly wings in like some city in tucson or something like (laughs) it's just like yeah and and so it's like all people proving that they're and they're saying that this is a return of travel and tourism, right? Like, but I, you know, we've been in the pandemic for like over a year, and it's sad to think that, you know, one of the, I don't know, maybe it's not sad, but it, 
this idea that to prove you were somewhere, you would take these pictures, and these pictures are all like so formulaic. It's, but that goes back yeah. centuries. It's not like new, right? Like, well, that, you know, this is a point also that uh, I was making. If you're in, I I was telling a friend in the Netherlands. I'm like, oh, the fruit in Brazil is so good. The mangoes are unbelievable, and if they're in season, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's just because you're on vacation. Because you're in a positive mindset, and it <laughs> right. tastes better. And he's like, the mangoes here are the same. It's, there's no difference. I was like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> and then, but it, it, maybe in that case, uh, it's not the best example. But there are cases where your state of mind can be so different that the same thing is completely different. And yeah, ultimately, I'm like trying to circle this concept that your sister put forward. That like. Would she be is she, is she better off in the experience or observing it from the outside? Yeah. And is there any difference between the two? And um, well, definitely, we talked a lot about residencies and travel and all these things, and it's a lot cooler being a documentary photographer than a tourist. And so mm. that's that's like which one is reality? Yeah, that's a good point. And I like we're often as an well, artist, it, you, you get it, to if you exaggerate it, you don't you don't want to be the photographer at your own wedding, like. That's not a good idea. No, you want you, to, you want one of your on best friends to have a terrible time at your wedding taking photos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But it, at the same time, there is something to. I would much rather travel as a documentary photographer than as a tourist. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's more fun. Like, it's a mindset, I though. Think. Like a lot of tourists might go out there. You know. Yeah, but the it, tourists are kind of doing the same thing. They're also trying to document it. Mm-hmm. But as a documentary photographer, you might have access to things that the general public doesn't, or uh, you might meet other photographers. And I don't know that we we both always talked about the joy of traveling as an artist. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I, I'm also always compelled like to take photos of things that millions of other people have taken photos of, and I don't. And I have to like stop myself from doing it. I don't know why. I yeah, I always wanted to make some kind of geotagging app that warns you if this photo has already been taken <laughs> you know it'd be great yeah it's like you open your phone it's like here's a photo for you someone else took it like yeah. two seconds ago <laughs> don't worry about it it's good <laughs> don't, <worry about> it. <laughs> don't like that one here's ten thousand more yeah um. <laughs> there was that there was that microsoft uh, photo synth demo where they would show the louvre uh, the louvre in uh, in paris the museum and that it, it would just scrape all the photos from Flickr that were taken there and make a 3d model out of it and well, this is so many photos of that pyramid. You're making a, a really good point. I've been playing with uh, photogrammetry recently. Do you, you know the process of like taking hundreds of photos and then you're the kind computer... of scanning the room with a single camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can do it with any old, you know, shitty phone camera. Any old. You can do it outside. Phone. Yeah, and um, it takes a lot of processing power. So like, prepare to wait a while. But in essence, like you get a 3D model and then it's like your position within the space is infinite, right? Like you can take the picture slightly to the left, slightly to the right, up, down. Um, and I think you, you, I've often seen articles speculate that the future is like cameras that like measure light fields and stuff. There was a camera called the Lytro, I think. And in the future, though, th- these will be always on and like recording from satellites. And so, you know, I can't remember what movie it was, but... Um, Maybe it was Minority Report or something like that. You'll be able to basically move through reality um, as a camera. And I I don't know if that would... um, Well, that's not reality at that point, right? But it 
it presumes no, it that is. That's the that's the thing. Like, it, that's the same thing with the NFT question. Like, oh, I can't hold it. Is it really art? But mm-hmm. if if we are on the screen most of the day, then that's more real than Niagara Falls. I've never yeah. been to Niagara Falls. I've I've seen pictures, and the the other thing that to me that is an example is like if you make screen based works. You can look at the actual work all the time, even if you sold it. And if you make physical works, once they're sold, they're out of out of your reach. You don't. You might not see it for the ten years, and you can only see pictures of it. So, mm-hmm. this idea that the digital or this photogrammetry is not real, and the thing mm-hmm. you photographed is real, actually, you'll spend more time with that digital model. So, in that sense, it's it's more. You could argue whether that's real or not, but you will spend more time with it, and you'll be more familiar with with that thing than with what you were scanning. Yeah, it's an interesting um, loop back on the like cookie on my tongue, though, right? Like, um, real is often like I think we we put up these artificial boundaries about what yeah. we consider real. I remember early in my career, there, there I would go do artist talks, and like there'd always be someone in the audience that was like, "Well, it's not real," and I'd. And I would I would actually take umbrage like I would be upset about it that because I'd be I like I could see a biopic of you and <laughs> some some actor playing you and then they do some camera tricks where you fly up to the person is like wait a minute well you know and like often I would stare at them be in, like, in their eyes and be like have yeah. you ever thought about it this way it was more like as a younger person especially some of my even my earlier romance or like my first sexual experience I think was like in a text chat or something and I was like it felt like these older people were saying my experience was like less real than theirs. And I was like, but does well, that mean my life? Yeah, yeah. I was like, does that mean my life is less valuable than yours? And like, why do you get to decide well, that? In why general, can't? it seems, and maybe I'm doing that now too. In general, it seems people always want to confirm that they're better than others. And that that's mm. like any argument. Whenever people say like film is more important than comic books and, Video games are more real than this. it's usually just like people boasting. No, no, but you're making a good point. There's like an authenticity claim, like higher exactly. ground. It's like That's a moral high ground. Yeah. yeah. My but God is is more real than your God or whatever. Yeah, and so reality is an asset that <laughs> people like I, claim yeah. to own. It's I want to go back to the cookie. So uh, your teacher was telling you to observe the cookie as intently as possible. Yeah. I have this thing that I'll crave something unhealthy, but of course I shouldn't have it too often. Mm. And so there's Cat's Deli that has a famous pastrami sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I used to really, when I would travel to the U.S., I'd be like, okay, let's go get a pastrami sandwich because we could only get it here. And there was a great one in L.A. at Langer's. I went quite a few times. And I thought the pastrami sandwiches in New York weren't as good, but they're supposed to be better. They're branded as the the real deal. And last week I was like, oh, I had so much success. I want to celebrate. Like, let's go to Cat's Deli. I I kept waiting for an occasion to go with a friend. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up going somewhere else. We weren't in the mood for pastrami. So it had been building up for three months or something. Of like, oh, I'm going to get this pastrami sandwich. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I'll wait next time, next time. And then finally I went, and it was dry, and it wasn't good. Mm. The bread was old. And so the craving had been a lot better. Yeah. And so with reality, I think a lot of times anticipation and excitement and imagination are more interesting than the actual experience. So 
Um, I've heard that before. That the yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that I think this this mantra of wellfulness and and uh, sort of this um, let's say goop version of Buddhism is very dominant now. Like, oh, mm-hmm. we all have to be mindful and kind and all this bullshit. But there's a lot of common sense where um, it's not about being mindful and being a good Buddhist or whatever, but it's also, okay, I'm going to do photography. Let's go all the way and, and be as focused as possible. And I'm going to yeah. party without a camera. Let's do that as focused as possible and really do it to the fullest. So it's it's not really... Yeah. No, you're reminding me of like a, a point I heard. So, you know, we're, we're in this pandemic. Everyone's on Zoom. There's the, the new term for the horrible feeling everyone has. I'm sure you've heard it. It's called languishing. Have you heard? Yeah. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. Yeah, I saw too. some articles about languishing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the, you know, the Atlantic puts something out. Everyone's like, I'm languishing, I'm languishing. But what that's was interesting. That's it. Everybody's like, that's what I was feeling. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was feeling. I Now I know. I can put a word to it. It's a label. But one of the interesting things about what they said the cure was that I still find like, it's fascinating in relationship to this topic was the cure was focused attention on a single task, what is known as flow. You know, like a lot yeah, of designers yeah, 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 will yeah. refer to it. Yeah, yeah. But that, you know, that that would be real. Now, that what what's crazy about that is when I'm in flow, like three hours can collapse into five minutes. And, you know, that's how a lot of my weekends just seem like just they fly by kind of thing. And that that would be closer to reality is a really interesting thought because mm. a lot of times I'm in flow inside of a digital experience. I I cringe a little bit with these sort of help things. And I cringe a little bit when people ask us, how do you become a better artist and can you give us seven tips to success and all this stuff? Yeah. And with I'm flow, it's like, that. yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I want some flow. How do I get the flow? Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah exactly. And then the, the problem is it's, it's always any self-help is like, you're not using your full potential. That's always the premise. It's like, yeah. oh, you could be 10 times smarter if you took this pill. And maybe reality is more about like, well, I'm a piece of shit and that's okay. And I'm not yeah. going to be a miracle, and I'm not going to be John Cage, and I'm not going to be Mozart. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, and so that's part of reality, too. And I don't know. It's complicated, but I, I get really, I cringe a lot when people say, like, oh, if you follow my method, you'll look like Superman. Well, I definitely am not suggesting that. I'm su- suggesting yeah. that, like... No, but the flow thing, I, I, I don't know, like... I, I, I get the flow feeling when you're like assembling Ikea furniture because you're doing a practical thing and you solve something and at the end it's standing. It's like, whoa, this was a package and now it's a cupboard. It's cool. Yeah. But it, yeah, but it, like giving you a practical task that you finish from A to Z gives you the flow no, feeling. No, I think you're right. I think yeah. the bottom line is it's just like the absence of self-doubt. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I find that actual creativity has nothing to do with flow like flow is more the practical thing of like oh i'm figuring out the editing software and i made the render and the compression is good boom it's done yeah but the actual creativity has for me has nothing to do with flow is actually rather painful and a lot of doubt and it's like fuck this isn't working and then going for a run and coming back this sucks and yeah i don't find that to to be anything uh pleasant or happy and I, i think a lot of writers talk about Writing is a... No, I think you're making a really, really, really excellent point. I don't know if it relates to reality, but like I once asked someone to like kind of, they were 
describing different people. I was like, well, describe me. And they drew like this line on the on the on a whiteboard as at work. And then they like drew like zigzag lines trying to break through the line. And I thought it was such like a good characterization because I will just like keep trying, even though I'm super frustrated and super painful because I but generally I think that's what a lot of artists do is like there's this perception that they just get it's the single brush stroke. Right? Mm. Like and everyone's different. So I don't want to like package this as a you know, lesson or anything, but like for me anyway, it's similar to you. Like most of the time I'm hitting my head against the wall. And then sometimes like very rarely I'll have a moment of clarity and then I'm actually still wrong. <laughs> like I thought I had it <laughs> and I, st- and I miss it. and I fall flat again. And is then usually a, it's an, a, is this yeah, something? Exactly. Is this something? Yeah. yeah. Is this a thing? <laughs> yeah. Is it that the, uh, the Seinfeld book? Is this anything? Yeah. But I'm so jealous of people that seem to have effortless, ability to like I don't know maybe it's usually style related you know like where they have that like effortless cool they're just like totally comfortable and everything that they do seems to just be right but it's probably not that way it just looks that way from the outside um well for sure anything on Instagram seems easier than it actually is so if, if you're mm. observing people from afar I've, I've heard from them? a lot of people who, who who were assistants with artists it's like Oh yeah, that person's super frustrated and unhappy, and you're like, "Oh, I thought they were on top of the world." Are you Are you on TikTok? I'm curious. No, no. Well, there's TikTok like stuff on Instagram. I'm not going to dance in front of the. Phone. No, no, no. But what's interesting, the trend on TikTok these days is they'll take like a audio from a movie or TV show, like from a famous person, and then lip sync it, yeah, and, and relate it back to their life. I think I see that stuff on it, it feeds into Instagram and then it has a TikTok watermark. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I find that like that as a trope that you would like. <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a we- it's like a weird reenacting one. a scene without the setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very weird in relationship to reality because it's like I'm going to take my reality and jam it into this fictional reality, and I'm going to try and use that to find something to say about my reality. Yeah. Well, it's a good point. Back to Isabella's question of like, am I going to the wedding and and celebrating, or am I being the photographer and I'm working? Mm-hmm. And I think social media has flipped all that. It's like everyone is at the same time the model and the photographer, and they want to record it, and they're not there for their enjoyment, but for the props afterwards. So, yeah, um, yeah. Most companies, yeah. Um, you know, like. The, like the, the, it, it, reality became a movie set. That's well, maybe totally your like your point with with those that mural with the angel wings and the butterfly wings. Yeah, I mean, I read that like the paparazzi. There's like you know, it's like there's one tenth the paparazzi that there was 20 years ago because celebrities started just taking photos of their own lives <laughs> in reality, right? <laughs> Why even uh, try? Yeah, well, you know, it's crazy, right? Like the you know, think about it. Like your Princess Diana in the 1990s. Rest in yeah. peace. And it, you're like it does sound like that all definitions of reality are dissolving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the prop the problem of that I mean it ultimately gets into this kind of frustrating position. I it would take it's taken us a while to get here, but like the, there has to be at some point a personal acknowledgement of like my reality versus the reality I share with others, right? Like there's some contiguity. It comes back to that like child in the mirror Hmm. you know where 
I'm either looking at a reflection of myself or I'm looking at a reflection of others looking at a reflection of myself. As a video artist, it's hard for me to separate the social mirror from the solipsistic mirror. How, how was that for you in the beginning with YouTube? And, and people would know you from YouTube and then you meet them. Well, I once had like a studio visit with Vim Delvoy's assistant. So it wasn't even Vim Delvoy, it was like Vim Delvoy's assistant. And he got to the end of the studio visit, like he was watching a bunch of my YouTube videos and he was like, what the fuck is this? You're so fucking solipsistic. Like he was really mean to mm. me in the studio visit. I'm, I don't know if you've had a mean studio visit or not before, but I was like... Uh, excuse me. He's like, yeah, you're so you're so fucking full of yourself. You're sol- solipsistic. Like your reality, you're so trapped inside your own head um, that you know you've forgotten that reality is supposed to be like shared, right? Like it's completely <laughs> about. Like, you. Thanks, thanks, and man. I really needed re- that. <laughs> yeah, I really needed that. Thanks, man. Yeah, exactly. But I guess you know his reference was to like the kind of there's this woman Rosalind Krauss that wrote an article called "The Aesthetics of Narcissism," and like there's either this. The, you're, there are two states within like she's posits within like a video performance um there's either this narcissistic state where you're like you're you're absorbed in your reflection right or there's this other state the reflexive state where you actually are working against your reflection right you're subverting your reflection in some way and the ways in which Artists have explored that historically are either by like breaking the device that like the mirror, you know, like either if it was a mirror actually breaking it. But in the case of video history, like you have people like Linda Benglis or the, you know, or Vito Acconci where they like make the video device um, and it's false evident, you know, either through like some scanning technique or something. So they break the machine. You mess Um, it up. But another technique is persona. Shit's and, about uh, to get real. <laughs> shit's, well, the other technique is actually to go unreal, and it's persona. And persona is like the most persistent um, form of like reality on the internet, actually. Yeah. And, like if you think of like cloud well, rap yeah, or yeah, video game stuff. The internet flips everything. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, like then like you're like oh that's not real no but actually that more that people is real. see it that yeah. way so that is more real yeah yeah I've often talked about like my persona I don't really want to dis- people were like is that real and I, I don't really <laughs> want to distinguish between the two anymore I haven't for a long time let me tell you something. it's real to me yeah. <laughs> like, I invented yeah. it you know like um, yeah but what, maybe maybe it, the question was maybe. Part of the question was, living life as an observer or as a participator. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That was part of the question. And no, no, it's I true. Think, we've gone, we, we've gone wide. Yeah. let's narrow it back but down. I th- but I think, um, I think in both roles, you can find uh, interest and intensity and joy and and uh, uh, something rewarding. But I, I don't think one or the other is is better or worse. It's just. That was part of the question, right? I'm not yeah, imagining yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But I mean, so, the, yeah. I, I do remember from going to concerts that I enjoyed them more if I didn't bring the camera and just go full on and absor- absorb the music. But I also really enjoyed taking photos and the whole process afterwards. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the Fluxus artists would say, like, your document, you know, is the well, problem. Maybe but, maybe here's a, here's a good example, because... I'm into efficiency, and so 
as an artist you make stuff and then as a painter is oh you need a studio then you need to store stuff so let's not do that and let's make it compact mm -hmm. and then i would look at performance artists and be like oh that's the coolest you just have your body you don't even have to have a computer like that's that's more compact in that sense than yeah. painting or sculpture all this stuff but then you find out oh performance artists have to travel all the time and if they're not there they're not there so then they're in airplanes all the time and they're jet lagged that's not compact at all that's not a compact way of being it, it sounds like oh i don't need anything with except my body and i exist and so that's a very streamlined state of being and you don't have tools and you don't have all these things but then because you can't multiply yourself you either record yourself with a camera and then before you know it you have tons of hard drives and footage and cameras and all that then there's a lot of ballast there and luggage so i i don't know if i'm making any sense but that that idea of of uh, being present and i think that's one of the promises of performance art is that you're not recording you're there it's live i think you're making stuff, a good point you're making a yeah. good point like the ephemeral if you leave it ephemeral is it anything, right? It's like the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to perceive it, right? Did it really happen? Did it really exist? The impulse to record is the practice of taking the ephemeral and crystallizing it. Yeah, yeah, but for me, even if you're not recording, so th there's a documentary in a book called Guns, Germs, and Steel, and it's about different tribes and the West winning because they had guns, germs, and steel. And one of the things he noticed, he would travel to Australia and there were some indig indigenous tribes and I can't remember if this was in the present or it was an anthropologist a hundred years ago that would travel there. And he, he would ask the Westerners, why do you guys have so much cargo? Mm -hmm. Westerners just come with a lot of luggage and tools. And they would just carry a pocket knife and a pair of shorts and the, everything's fine. And so I, I like this idea, like you don't need any tools and you're there with yourself. But then... It's the, Sein the Seinfeld stand-up comedian thing. It's like, oh, that seems cool. It's the essence of being just standing on stage and telling jokes. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. you just... There, it comes with a lot of baggage because you have to be everywhere. And so maybe this is, answers that question of like being the photographer or being the lens. You're doing that so then you can mediate something and multiply it. And I think that's... You're, you're intensifying perception and then it can travel beyond you. And that that's yeah. Maybe that's the question of like you're at the party, but the, the yeah. limit is that you can only be at that party. And once you translate something, it can travel for you and you don't have to do the traveling anymore. I think you're making a good point. Potentially like I'll, I'll turn it into a cheesy point, but there is like a desire to live beyond yeah, yeah, that's true. Yourself and beyond your lifespan, right? Like, or at least a lot you of want artists to become a legend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of cheesy, but I think like every artist kind of has this. Maybe not every artist, but like definitely, I, th I've I thought, think every person somewhere everyone wants to in the say world, like, "Hey, yeah. I, I had something to say, and that joke was really funny, and people retold it." That's a good feeling. Well, it's my like, like it's like a it's a, my life had meaning. You know, is that such a hard like? Yeah, is that such a bad? Thing? I don't even know if it's that meaning thing to me was always a very uh, complicated thing that is almost immeasurable. Like, what is meaning? Mm -hmm. But it's it's more on, on a basic level, like the feeling that uh, you were there and and people enjoyed that you were there and they they're like, oh, the party was better because that person was there. Mm -hmm. it, that's a better feeling than like. 
oh, I was at the party, no one noticed me, so I left and no one even knew that I left. Right, yeah. I mean, it comes back to that thing of like, you know, you're walking in the town square and there's a jumbotron and you wave at the camera. You know, there's like a bit of a hi, mom. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, I was here. Uh, Like the same thing people would write on like a pine tree in the middle of nowhere. Like there's just a little bit of a mark of, I was on this planet in this space and time and I had a perception of reality and it was my own and here's what I have to say about it. But there is an interesting point there is, do you want to make an impact during your life or afterwards? And I think those are two very different things because there's no way you can perceive anything after death unless you believe that you're going to float around as a ghost and then be like, hey, they liked me. Oh, cool. I choose to but believe I'm, that. <laughs> Yeah, I choose to believe that the lights go out. Yeah, yeah. So who cares? But it's still, I'm like, okay, I'm going to document everything precisely and I'm going to make books so people can read about me even if I'm not here and all that stuff. I have asked that Kristen use my body for, um, this is pretty silly, but like, I haven't written my um, will yet. And this is like, this is where I lose all credibility on the podcast. But I was like, I want you to you use my You can do it right bones. now. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I want I want my bones to be used in a children's playground so that I, <laughs> so that oh, where's chi- this going? So, <laughs> so that children everywhere will remember the joy I brought to the world. <laughs> oh man, there's going to be some traumatized children. <laughs> uh, I don't well, know. You know if that's what? A good there, idea. Who's that guy? Like, we can't go through this reality conversation without I, talking I want, about that. <laughs> No, no, I no. want my bones to be used to make McDonald's hamburgers. Well, and it, it was me. like yeah. to try and get to the segue of the guy that did the plastination. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but he's like a German scientist. And when you die, like, oh, he injects, yeah, 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 yeah. He injects your veins with like silicone plastic or something. <laughs> and then there was like a People, tour. Humans are so weird. <laughs> There's no other species that's like, you know what I want? I want people to play with my bones after I die. Well, they just like uncovered the first Egyptian tomb with a mummy that was pregnant, like this last week, mm. right? Well, there like, you go. You know, like if if we if we if it was a different kind of civilization that uncovered that, we wouldn't have known about pregnancy. But um, like mummification was definitely the preparation, right? Like for the afterlife, or at least that, that's the theory. Mummification right? was the first selfie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, I definitely want to be known. Look at my Forever. pose. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I was here. Yeah. Scientifically, they say there's no reason that like you couldn't live infinitely. This is when we get into the Jeff Bezos section of the podcast, the conspiracy yeah. theories. But um, some species live for thousands of years, right? I think time is relative to reality is a really interesting thought, though, and relative to all of the moments you try and capture, like. If Isabella were to take a photo, you know, there's always that thing of like, I took a photo every hour of every day or every day for like my whole life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to like help us understand reality. Um, But I think that, I mean, essentially, that's what I've been doing my whole life just by opening my eyes in the morning. And what I can say is um, time, like I have a much greater understanding of time than I did (laughs) when I was young. Like, how fast it it moves and apparently i don't know if you know this but just getting back to like the biological premise of perception and reality 
we actually perceive fewer frames per second the older we get because I don't I disagree. <laughs> I'm just telling you biologically. Sorry, but I we, don't, we actually no, no, no. physically black out. I think out. it's a myth. I think what happens is people get busy. That's why time goes faster. Yeah, but I'm what I'm people saying is people have children and families and yeah. they build homes and they have jobs and companies. That's why time flies. So you're saying like if you were locked in a room I think a lot of old people, for them, time goes very slow. They're like, ah, I can't wait to die. This shit's so boring. I've seen it all. I haven't heard that from many, many old people. I've heard the opposite. Oh, maybe that's a Dutch thing. <laughs> 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 I met a, a couple of old people. They're like, th- their spouse has died. They're like, they've been alone for five years. Their grandchildren are too busy to visit. They're like, ah, mm. I ain't got shit to do. Well... Yeah, but <laughs> you never heard that? That's funny. No, no, it's just like a sad moment for a second. <laughs> no, yeah. I think my view of like growing old in Greece or Italy is that it's just everyone's living in one big home and everybody's generate. There's three, four generations in one house and everybody's babysitting each other and helping each other. That sounds good. And and then in the Netherlands, the state takes care of everything and they're like, "Oh, we found you this very efficient home with no atmosphere whatsoever." <laughs> You can now perceive reality to its full extent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it will always be five degrees too cold. Just a final note times. on uh, weddings as we're wrapping up here. I, I live streamed my wedding on the internet. And I thought at the time that was going to be the future of wedding photography. Like I was like, why would you want yeah. photos when you could just like live the real thing? <laughs> um, I don't think anyone does that. It hasn't happened. And, and, and so... Looking back, was the live stream a good thing for to perceive your wedding? It's still on YouTube. Anyone can watch it. Um, I don't know what the view count's up to. I remember more people attended the live stream. But as a representation, way. instead of wedding photos, how did you feel about it? Well, th- like I think weddings are just interesting because, like, um, and I apologize if this comes off as like wedding normative or something like that. But like, be- because there's so much anticipation, as you described earlier, leading up to it. And then the event itself is like happens very, very quickly, but there's so much condensed emotion inside of a wedding day. And then mm. and then the exit, it's like it's like passing through like some kind of a wormhole or something. For the rest of your life, you kind of it's at least in my life, it's been like a line. And I can in that day I can like unpack every single yeah. second of it. It's a it's one a thing, really one thing I thought of when you said that is that what really makes life better is when you don't have too many expectations. Mm. And in, a lot of people have too like, many expectations of their wedding. Yeah, that's one thing. It's like the, the bridezilla meme of like, it has to be amazing and more amazing than anyone else's and it's mine yeah. and I have to be the best. And So if you're going out to party or if you're going out to make a photograph, that's why I stopped going to New Year's Eve parties. Oh, there's always the so much anticipation yeah, and we worst. were like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to buy all the cheeses at Whole Foods and uh, uh, that eat together great. and watch a movie. Yeah. yeah. New Year's is like definitely, like it doesn't take people long to figure out that it's like the, the worst possible yeah. evening. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. why like my parents figured it out a long time ago and they're like, yeah, we're just having a quiet night in, you know, like, and I was like, what? It's New Year's Eve. What are you doing? Fools. You <laughs> this fools. to be the night of your life. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it, I, it's the same thing for me. I'm pretty bad at birthday gifts. I'm better at just finding a gift at a random date. It's like, why do I have to find a gift on this day in the year? Mm. When 
oh, I happen to be here, and this thing in this store reminds me of you. Oh, I'll, you know. Okay, I'm gonna. T- I think you're making a good point that I kind of want to try and wrap the podcast up on, which is like. We're a year into a pandemic. You're an artist. Isabella is an artist. I'm an artist. There are a lot of artists listening. There have been no events. <laughs> there have been like, there are kind of been events. Like you've done some yeah. online streams. You've like attended Soft openings. Yeah. Well, what have you actually? You, what have you actually been doing? You've actually been kind of creatively exploring, like you have. You you and I've talked about this. this. And people have been making sourdough bread. Yeah, but like even if you're like not, you know, you're pro NFT, you're anti NFT as an example. Like people are contributing a whole bunch of creative energy for no no curator in particular. Yes, for some money. Like I don't want to get too tied up in that, but like I'm I've seen people do There's a no lot of money in NFTs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think like the we're all staring at our screens. What I find interesting is that we're creating a reality in this in this like as we're languishing the the will to create or construct something is kind of cool without like without yeah it it really feels like creating a new language mm-hmm. like I, I can imagine the, the the species before language and after language and I feel like this is a similar thing where you're really building a world that becomes like language changes perception so much that we we cannot imagine looking at an apple and not being able to yeah. name it yeah yeah. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a really, really good point. Which is like, at some point, someone like, and then many people start to present rea- new realities that constitute like they actually push reality in a different direction. Like they kind of nudge it in a, in another a direction. Dent that, in the look, universe. A dent in the universe. Yeah, it's a Steve Jobs. It's a Steve quote. Jobs. Yeah. Um, and and, and no, is, is Steve Jobs your nemesis in in your character? <laughs> no, no, I, I'm inspired by because you have the white turtleneck and he is the yeah, yeah. Man. I based my character partially off of him, yeah. and yeah, I have short jeans, short short jeans, and he had jeans. And, um, yeah. no, but I guess the 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 point I wanted to make was like you don't see it coming, and then in retrospect, it seems obvious. And I think that yeah, that's idea that in retrospect it seems obvious comes back to my earlier point about the ladder of inference, which is like. The narrow straw of perception doesn't allow us to see what's possible a lot of the times. Um, but the only way we can find out what's possible is by like like what your sister does, by like observing, right? Like by going out and trying yeah. to observe yeah. in different ways. I'm always like yeah. I'm watching this show on net on it's not on Netflix, it's on Prime. It's like a drug cartel show right now. Zero zero zero. Very high production oh. values. Like Is it good? Canal yeah, Canal and Sky put it together. It's all like so it's like European production. So good, but like, where does it take the, place? It takes place in Mexico, in Italy, and in. Um, I like that else? show, Gomorrah, the sort in of the more US. grimy mafia show from Naples. It's re- well, anyway, this show is just, like its cinematography is like what stands out, right? And there's like, like the the tiny close-ups and like, I don't know, you know, like um, I don't. What I'm trying to get to here is just that, like. It's not the wide shot, like it's often the detail shots, right? It's like mm. the um, yeah. the shots that you don't expect. And um, I'm gonna check it out. Zero zero zero. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, and it's all in native on languages, Prime. so it's like in Italian, in Spanish, and in English. It's on Prime. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. That's your yeah, thing. That, right? That's how we're gonna end right. every podcast with a <laughs> television show. Streaming tips. Yeah. Streaming tips. That's a nod to our previous uh, version. Yeah. Of this. Maybe we'll bring. I, I I definitely want to do. Still want to review Demolition Man with you. 
Oh yeah, the future Taco Bell. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank cool. you. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you, Isabella, for the question. Yeah, it's lovely. To, I should get my family. sister. Family, yeah. family are. Yeah. I don't think that okay. sister listens. <laughs> okay. Till next time. Thank you. Keep please uh, send in your questions. You don't have to be friends or family with us. You can be a total stranger. <laughs> yeah, you can be a total asshole. Don't worry about it. Well, we're not going to assume because you're a stranger, you're an asshole. <laughs> but, but you might be. And that's okay. That's okay, too. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye.